Good morning, everybody. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to gather with other believers. We are not alone in our journey of faith with you. There are examples around us and support, and so we thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for the great work that Jesus accomplished, that we can come and sing and celebrate and remind ourselves that he has made a way for us to call you Father and to come to the table and to, as we sang, find what we're really looking for. This morning as we uh, think about for a little while, what it means to pray and how to do it, I ask that you would open our hearts and minds, uh, and even more so, Lord, that you would activate our wills and cause us to practice this kind of praying so that we might become the kind of people that you've called us and designed us to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Mike, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at New City. My privilege to be so, my privilege to work through this passage of Scripture with you guys. We are in a series here um, on kingdom practices. Uh, one of the kind of colloquial definitions I've given to that is just stuff Christians do, okay? <laughs> which isn't really the best one, but it's, it's you know things that Christians do. We pray, we read the Bible, we sing. These are kingdom practices, and we call them kingdom practices because we firmly and staunchly believe that the kingdom of Jesus is now. And there's things that we are practicing now uh, that, as I just prayed, allow us to become the kind of people that Jesus wants us to be, and it really prepares us for our eternal life with him in the future. But we're going through these kingdom practices. Uh, another a better definition than stuff Christians do, is making time and space for God so that he might speak his fatherly love into our lives. That's a close definition from Henry Nouwen. Making time and space, setting apart time and space, that's something we can do. We can set aside certain time and space so that God can do for us what we can't do for ourselves, which we can't make, in a sense, God love us. We can't cause ourselves to become loving people, but as we set aside time and space and we give ourselves to God, we surrender ourselves to Him in these kingdom practices, then He speaks His love and His truth and His wisdom over us, and then we become those kinds of people. Amen? And so that's what these practices are about, and uh, last week we began, Pastor Dave began uh, specifically talking about this idea of prayer. And so I just read to you a famous passage, uh, it's called the Lord's Prayer, or some Christians call it the Our Father. And um, it is really, really well known, uh, but 
whether you've been, like, maybe you're, you know, I'm sure there's people here who are just investigating Christianity, and we're really glad you're here, you're trying to figure it out, what is this about? And like, well, if I was going to pray, what would I say? Here we go, <laughs> right here. So whether you're like investigating it, or you've been a Christian for like three minutes, this is how you pray. <laughs> I've been following Jesus for over 30 years. I know I don't look nearly that old. Lame past. That's such a, that is such a lame joke. The fact that any of you would laugh is so kind. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I've been following Jesus for over 30 years, and still, this is one of the most meaningful, in a sense, templates that structures and fuels my praying. And you could talk to people who've been following Jesus for 60 years, and they would have the same testimony. So this is really important for us to learn how to pray. It's interesting that Jesus says, pray then like this. Or in the Luke 11 version that Pastor Dave referenced last week, um, which by the way, you might be wondering, didn't Pastor Dave talk about the Lord's Prayer last week? Yes, and we're going to keep talking about it. We want to, in a sense, ingrain this particular practice into our lives as a church. We told you we were going to be taking the long approach to these practices. We've got to learn to pray the Psalms. We've got to learn to pray Pauline prayers. We've got to learn to pray all kinds of different things. Amen and hallelujah. But we're starting here with the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to press in, and we really want you to practice it. This is the coach coming out of me. Are we doing that drill again? Yes, we're doing that drill again. And I'm pumped, and I hope you are too. Okay, anyway. It's interesting that Jesus says, pray like this. And then in Luke 11, when he says a similar conversation, it's recorded in a different context, but he's teaching his disciples to pray. They say, Lord, teach us to pray. He says, when you pray, say this. I love that. I think, you know, in the kind of modern, contemporary, evangelical church, we really prioritize, like, spontaneous praying. Like, well, just pray what's on your heart. And Pastor Dave said last week so well, he's like, that's like telling someone who's never picked up an instrument to start playing jazz. It's like, what would I even say to God? Like, why would I say that? Or how would I say this? Or is this the right thing or the wrong thing? And it's like, actually, no. Jesus says, say this. There's something very freeing about, you know, receiving structure. Even for someone as, like, spontaneous and organic as me. And I'm, like, off the charts with that. I don't want any restrictions ever. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> even I want them. What am, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? And so we're learning to pray the Lord's Prayer after this. Bound up in this, there's just layer upon layer. Every phrase in this prayer is deep and profound. You can kind of peel it back more and more and learn more about prayer. So there's this combination this morning of, you know, you, we, uh, uh, Pastor Dave said last week, you know, we, it's really just practice. We call, just say, well, just go home and pray. Well, there's a, there's, a, there's a rhythm here of learning about prayer and then practicing prayer. And so this morning, we want to learn more about what Jesus teaches us about the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. So we're going to look at just the first two phrases this morning of this prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, and then hallowed be your name. And so one of the big ideas, probably the big idea of this sermon, is that as apprentices to Jesus, the subtitle of the sermon series, Kingdom Practices, Learning to Apprentice. So learning and applying, that's what an apprentice does. Jesus' apprentices come to him and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And then Jesus says, okay, 
say this. And the first two words are, our Father. That is incredible when you understand the context of who Jesus is and who his Father is. If the more and more familiar you get with Christianity, you'll find that God bears a lot of names in the Scriptures. God, Yahweh, Adonai, the Almighty, the Creator, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. There's name after name. In fact, one of the richest studies, my wife really loves this, the study of uh, um, uh, the names of God. And you can learn so much about his identity and his character and all these things, all these names. And so here Jesus is on the way to the cross and the resurrection, and he's training his apprentices, his disciples, and they want to learn how to pray. And Jesus says, okay, you're going to start addressing God as Father, which is not normal. You can look back in the Old Testament in the Jewish people, which they're in that context, and there's metaphors and analogies for God as Father, but you won't find like psalm after psalm after psalm of prayers of people addressing God as Father. It was not really done. It was viewed as too personal. It's like you can't call God your Father. I actually think this is one of the reasons why the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. He seemed to have this very close relationship with God, like as a father, and then when he prayed, stuff happened, and they're like, how do you do that? I mean, they prayed. These people prayed before, but there was something unique and powerful about Jesus' prayer life that caused them to ask this question. And so I think this is profound. I think this is a big idea of the Lord's Prayer here. As a disciple of Jesus, he wants you to learn to relate to God as your father in the same way that he relates to God as his father. And we just got deep. <laughs> That's profound. And so in order to experience that kind of relationship with God, you're going to have to learn to pray this way over and over and over again. Now, one of the dangers here of, the, of just praying the Our Father is it can become kind of like a rote thing where you're not really engaging your heart and your mind. And it's kind of like Keller used this illustration of train tracks when if you live by train tracks, after a while you stop here in the train, right? <laughs> and then you invite somebody over for dinner and that thing goes wailing by and they're like, whoa, what was that? And you're like, what? I didn't even hear it. Don't want to get to that point in our praying and Jesus talks about piling up empty words, but there's a very real sense in which this, this statement, this should structure and shape the very first move of prayer is to have our heart and mind experiencing, believing, knowing that God is our Father in the same way that He is the Father to Jesus. It's profound. Now, I want to look at two, three things about this being our Father. One is, uh, you know, just the metaphor itself. Two, what it means that he's our Father in heaven. And three, what it means to be our Father. So we'll look at that. And then the last thing we need to do is we need to look at hallowed be thy name. And we'll look at a couple of things in that. So that's our roadmap. So God is Father doesn't mean he's male. You know, God is not gendered in that way. 
It's a metaphor. Earthly fatherhood is a metaphor, not complete, not, you know, no metaphor does it all, but it's a comprehensive, powerful metaphor. Earthly fatherhood is a comprehensive, powerful metaphor about the way that God wants to relate to his people as his, therefore, children. Meaning he wants us to view him as a protector. And you'll see that later in the Lord's Prayer, keep us from temptation. As a provider, give us this day our daily bread. As someone who is strong and who is wise and who is faithful and who is dependable. These are all images that would come to our mind in a healthy, holistic view of fatherhood. And maybe, and probably most importantly, I mean, all those things, his, his authority, his goodness, his faithfulness, all those good things about fatherhood, maybe most importantly, is that you belong. I think probably the most important thing about my girls is that they're mine. They belong to me and I belong to them. And so as you learn to follow Jesus, whether you're three days in, investigating, three days in, 30 years in, 60 years in, Jesus wants you to learn more deeply and more profoundly what it means to say to God, the Almighty, the Creator, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, all those wonderful and amazing things, that you are my Father. Now, some of us in the room have had very difficult experiences with that concept and reality of fatherhood. Now, for me personally, God has seen fit to give me a wonderful father. And there are so many things about relating to God as my father that is so much easier because I've had an earthly model, and so I praise him for that. But that's not everybody in the room. And so this leads to, and even as good as an earthly father is, as we'll see in a second, it's, it's not sufficient. But in situations where there's, you know, absentee or abusive fathers, how do you pray, our Father? Well, there's a phrase that says, our Father in heaven. It's going to be very important. In fact, the way that it's recorded in the Greek there in, in, is that you say, our Father, and then it's like, comma, the one who is in the heavens. <laughs> That's how it reads. So it's clearly trying to demarcate that you're learning to pray to God and he's your heavenly father. And what does he mean? Well, it could mean a couple of things. Like I said, there's deep, rich meanings to this, but certainly one of the meanings is clarified a couple of verses later when he says, your will be done on earth as it is in our father who is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. And what's going on there is Jesus is basically saying that Heaven is like the prototype, the goodness and the glory, the ordered society, beauty, glory, and joy of heaven is coming to earth. <laughs> Not here yet, right? Okay, just checking. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so here's what he's saying. When you pray, our Father who is in heaven, you are learning to hope that in the process of following Jesus, you will eventually experience everything that fatherhood should be. So if you've had a great earthly father, they're not good enough. 
can't save me, can't forgive me, can't do all the like most important things in life, can't rescue me from death, can't rescue me from sickness, all the things a dad would love to do, no matter how good they are, can't ultimately provide, can't ultimately protect, can't ultimately forgive. And if you've had a, you know, a bad father, when you come to follow Jesus, you start to relate you start to have a relationship with the ultimate father the same way Jesus did. And it might take a long time before you feel that and experience that, but it is coming. When you follow Jesus and apprentice, you learn to pray, our father. It's a metaphor, our father in heaven. And then the last thing about fatherhood I want to explain here is the phrase, our father. Interesting, right? That he doesn't say, my father you know again we live in a very personalized society and when we pray it is a very personal thing amen and hallelujah but here he teaches us to pray our father and this kind of goes back to the big idea i said a lot of this apprenticeship is learning to relate to god as our father in the same way that jesus did and so basically jesus is saying i have this kind of relationship and now i'm calling you and i'm inviting you so we can say together our father it's profound now how can this actually happen because jesus's relationship we could say you know it, it would probably be appropriate you know, for God so loved, we just sang, his one and only son. There's a sense in which Jesus is a son of God uniquely that we are not. Amen? Amen. He's different than us. But not distinct, not like, not like divorced from us. We share in this sonship. So he is unique, and, and, and I would say, of course, you know, he could say Father. And as we'll see in just a second, there's a closer, more endearing term, the term Abba. We'll look at that in just a minute. Of course Jesus would say that. I, I even feel this a little bit. I'm taking some classes right now, and um, the professor, you know, you're in this context of academia, and this guy's done a lot of work, and he's got his Ph.D., and he's taught classes for 10 years. But now I'm older than him. <laughs> this is the first time, like, I've been older than my professor. That's weird. Anyway... <laughs> And I'm like, do I call him Dr. Keen or do I call him Tommy? <laughs> the younger guys in my class are calling him Tommy, but I'm like, I can't call him Tommy. I'll call him Dr. You know what I mean? You feel that. <laughs> you know, up the ante. We're talking about, again, he is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is the king of kings. That's who God is. And for me to kind of waltz into his presence and call him Father, whew, our Father? How could I do that? Especially in light of my rebellion against him, my sin, the Bible talks about we've all sinned, we've all rejected the goodness and glory of God. And so how could I have this relationship? And so very succinctly, let me summarize the good news here for you from Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So Jesus dies on the cross, he redeems us, he purchases us out of the situation of sin and condemnation. The, the scripture or the response of reading this morning Christ could condemn us, but he doesn't. He forgives us and redeems us, he saves us. 
And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir. Jesus didn't simply die to forgive us of our sins and to allow us to go to heaven. He died so that we might have sonship, adoption, belonging in the family. And in in the sense you share the same DNA, the spiritual DNA of the Spirit of God is in me, just like the Spirit of God resided in Jesus. Hello. So, because of the work of Jesus and the death and resurrection, ascension, promise, return, all the good news of the gospel, we now learn to address God as Father, and as I said, this word Abba, it, you know, some people say it's, it's daddy, some people say it's dad. You know, if you, if you remember the sermon, which I shouldn't expect you to remember a sermon from two, two months ago or whatever, but we talked about Galatians. You just deal with that however you deal with that in your family, okay? We don't do the whole daddy-mommy thing. We just do dad and mom, okay? That's us. We're from the Northeast, whatever. Maybe you do it more, uh, more terms of endearment, fine. Either way, this is race and laying hold of his wisdom and goodness. But this is the process of becoming an apprentice to Jesus, and he's given us this practice of prayer where we create time and space so that we might receive the love of the Father and then become loving people as we pray our Father who is in heaven the way Jesus prayed it, including Abba. Now, there's only one reference where Jesus prays Abba. Mark chapter 14. Going a little further, he fell on the ground and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Speaking of right now, he is literally hours from his arrest, maybe minutes from his arrest, honestly, and then crucifixion. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So friends, this is is the beauty and the power of following Jesus. This personal, close relationship, the same kind of relationship that Jesus has with his Father, we get to have with the Father, is not for the placid moments of peace by the fireside where you get your pumpkin spice latte out and you put on your sweater and you just are having a great time. Now, it's for those moments, but this is probably the most painful, anxious, difficult moment of Jesus' life And he prayed, Abba. Have you learned that yet? Have you learned to pray to Abba in the moments of pain? As opposed to, where are you, God? What are you doing? Why? And that kind of accusation. Jesus is bartering here. (laughs) Got another way. Three times he does this. But every time it's Abba, Abba. Abba, you're my father, you are good, you are wise, you, are, you love me, you are for me. I know I belong to you. I'm facing the most difficult situation in my life, and one could argue in the history of the world where the Son of God takes the sin of the world upon his shoulders and he's addressing his father as Abba. We pray our Father who is in heaven. And so New City, we, we gotta learn this. We've got to learn to pray the Abba, to Abba, over our pain and in our joys. Abba! It's so easy to say, Abba. 
I've actually just, even this last week, I just took some time. Just, I just started going through all the hurt and pain that I could think of in my life. And I just started saying, you are our Abba. For myself and for us, you are our Abba. You're here. You're present. You're that kind of Father. Even though we don't understand it, we pray our Father who is in heaven. So I would encourage you, that would be an amazing practice to incorporate into your praying. I would even say use that title. We use the title God. We use these other titles. Use the title Abba. It affected me. I hadn't spoken that word out loud. I said Abba, and it did something. Pray to God as Abba. This is what it means to learn to apprentice under Jesus, to learn to have the same kind of relationship that he had with his father that we get to have. There's a whole other point I don't have time for. We'll cover it in Sermon Plus where the Our Father incorporates not just how Jesus invites us into that relationship, but that corporately together we pray the Our Father together and that we're never alone. But see Sermon Plus for that. Let's, we have to move on to the second prayer request, second prayer movement really, which is hallowed be your name. Hollywood isn't a common word. Raise your hand if you used it this week. <laughs> Probably not. It simply means, Jesus, this is really the first prayer request. The, the first one wasn't even a prayer request. It's when you pray, say this. This is who you're addressing, your Father in heaven. Now here's, in a sense, the first thing that you ask for, although this isn't really an ask, okay? It's more about adoration and thanksgiving because as Jesus is saying, when you go to pray, you should say, hallowed be your name. The, the word means holy. Holy means, you know, it's a real churchy word, but it's actually so street level when you think about, holy means the desire to be or to experience something unique, something very rare, a one of a kind. We love that stuff. When an amazing play happens in a game, the reason it's amazing is because it usually only happens one time. You hand the ball off, run, get tackled, eh, whatever. Hand the ball off, run, whatever. Guy runs for 80 yards, that's a highlight. Let me see that. That play was holy. It was one of a kind. And it was great. Actually, the word holy can be either way. You can be holy good or holy bad. Bloopers, <laughs> you see those? Those are holy bad. One of a kind fails. God's holiness, when you're praying, Jesus, you're learning to pray after Jesus, you're saying, I'm praying that I would value the name, the character, the person of my Father as unique, transcendent, and majestic above all other names, which we sang this morning, Holy Father. Come into prayer, our God, you know, our Father in heaven. In a sense, the first move of prayer is to be reoriented to God's value system. You're not immediately asking, give us this day our daily bread, forgive, you know, like those things are coming. They're not a lower form of prayer. They're essential. We'll get to them over the next couple of weeks. But the first move in prayer is adoration. It's kind of like getting in touch with reality. I love that. Pastor of Bridgetown Church, his name is Tyler. He says, if I don't begin my prayers by becoming more in touch 
with the reality of who He is, then my prayers are born of reaction to circumstances around me rather than the reality who God is. This quote from Tim Keller as well. If God is the great object of admiration behind all other beauties and magnificence, and He is, then to praise and admire Him would simply to be awake and to have entered the real world while not doing so would be to become far more profoundly crippled than those who are blind, deaf, or bedridden. The reality of the world is that God is great and God is glorious and he's doing wonderful and amazing things in creation and in redemption. All of these things are there and we are kind of blind and deaf to them. And Jesus is basically saying, when you pray, you get to wake up to the reality of the glory of God. Hallowed be your name. That's so good. And you, you know, you ever say, don't, you know, don't tell your, you know, you don't have to just tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big your God is. Cheesy bumper sticker. It's not bad theology, though. It's coming awake to the reality of the glory and the majesty of who God is. Jesus says, when you're going to learn to pray, you're going to have to get in touch with reality because to walk around the world with no admiration and no thanksgiving in your heart is literally to be like blind and deaf to the glory of God. You know, when we say confess our sins, one of the greatest sins that we have going in our lives is that there's all these other influences vying for our value. I value this, I trust this, I admire that, I thank this, I praise this. And when we create time and space in a practice of prayer to come away and hear from God as our Father and we come to this, then immediately we're called into this admiration and thanksgiving to the glory of God. You know, we live in a world that is shaping you to consider all kinds of other things as holy and interesting and valuable and glorious. And you you have this practice of saying the Our Father, like literally say this. Go and pray and say, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name and not my name or their name or this thing. Hallowed be your name. This is like a structure. I, I, I think of the Lord's Prayer as like the framework of a house. You live in the house, but the whole structure is the Lord's Prayer. And I would just say, Literally, take the hallowed be your name. Here's a very practical practice of the practices series. Sound like Dr. Seuss. What are the things that are vying for your attention more than Christ and say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name over these people's opinion of me. This purchase that I think will increase my status in the eyes of others. Ooh, let's go. This worry, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. One of the things that when you do this, praise and adoration cultivates praise and adoration. <laughs> I've literally done this in the car where you know, we'll be on a road trip and things won't be going great. Okay? There's some tension in the vehicle. <laughs> Complaining, arguing, I didn't get what I want, this, that. And I'll say, okay, we're going to 
say something we're thankful for. That's like kryptonite to Superman. You insert gratitude into an environment of complaining, and at the very least, the complainers shut their mouths. It doesn't change their heart yet, but it's closer than it was before. I've seen this on teams, or I'm sure the same thing would be true in, in like a musical band, although I've never been in one of those. When enough people embrace the hard work of the sprints, then everybody embraces the hard work of the sprints and we all get better. Okay, come on. As believers and followers in Jesus, he is calling us to learn, to pray, to practice gratitude and adoration. God, I know that you are good. I know that you are faithful. I praise you that Jesus died and rose again for me. I praise you that I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. I praise you that you're working my sister's life. I praise you that you're working. You start counter blessings, name them one by one, the old hymn. That's a practice, and praise begets praise. So this is what Jesus wants for us. Do I have one other quote up there by C.S. Lewis? Oh, no, I don't have it. Sorry. I'll put that at 11.15. You can come back. No, <laughs> Lewis talks about the healthiest people that he knows with the biggest hearts, the most capacious hearts, are the people who are filled with gratitude, and the people who are like the most unhealthy cranks, he calls them, are the people who are complaining. There's a lot of talk these days about mental health, cognitive behavior therapy, that stuff. There's a good measure for that, and that's important. That's healthy. There's some goodness to it. And basically kind of what it's saying is, is that you retrain your thoughts and mind, your mind by what you think. And so praise, the power of praise. Are we set aside, setting aside time and space when we get together with God in that space? We must ask. I am, it's not a lower form of praying to ask, but you must praise. You must cultivate a practice of praise to the Lord. Adoration for who he is and thanksgiving for what he's done. All right, let me conclude then with three thoughts on this. Number one, repetition leads to formation. This is like any other area of our lives. If you have a regular practice of this, amen and hallelujah. This, is, this series has been for me like, man, I, I feel like, yes, Lord, this is what I've been needing. And so I'm like, yeah, let's get after it. Pastor Dave talked about a bit of a reset button. Or if you are literally brand new to the faith, which the numbers of you in this room are, and we're so glad you're with us, you can learn this right now. You're setting aside time and space to learn to pray. You pray, our Father who is in heaven, and then you come and say, hallowed be your name. And you develop a practice of praise and thanksgiving. It's profound. So repetition leads to formation. Secondly, I would highlight what Pastor Dave highlighted last week. There's two aspects of prayer, this practice that we have to be cognizant of, and I've been hinting at them throughout the whole sermon. One is this communion style, relate, not style, but aspect of our apprenticeship to Jesus is that we're learning to just relate to him, honor him, thank him, and receive his wisdom as father and his love as father. And then there's a whole other aspect of asking. 
They're not in competition with each other. They're both essential aspects. One is communion aspect of praying, and one is asking or kingdom asking. They both go together, but this morning in the first moves of Jesus when he teaches us to pray is this one, our Father, hallowed be your name. There's this relational dynamic. You think about marriage. If our whole marriage was just me asking Julie to do things and Julie in turn asking me to do things, but we never like, connected on a relational level, that's not going to be great. And actually, we've been in spaces like that where we're like functional roommates. And then we're like, whoa, 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 something doesn't feel right here. Something's wrong. On the other side, if we were just like looking at each other the whole time, you're so cool. No, you're so cool. <laughs> you're not going anywhere. You're not doing anything. Our relationship with God as Father is so balanced. Being and doing. Here we're emphasizing the being. He's my Father. I adore Him. I trust Him. So repetition leads to formation. Communion praying and kingdom praying are essential. And along the lines of communion praying, here's two quotes. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's A.W. Tozer. I think there's a lot of truth in that statement. Do you think of God as like an overbearing parent or a distant parent? Or do you think of him as loving, wise, faithful, present, and that even all the, in the hardships, you can pray Abba over him, or Abba over your problems to him. And John Mark Comer says, spiritual formation, in general, all begins with the healing of our false images about God. So as we come to God in the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again, repetition leads to formation. We come and we pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, we do celebrate to call you that. The God of the universe, the King of all kings, our Father. I pray that you'd help us to grow more deeply and richly in our experience and our union with you. That you would heal us, restore us, and forgive us as our great heavenly and ultimate Father. And I pray that you would cultivate gratitude and adoration and praise in our hearts despite the fact that we know we live in a difficult and hard world. We all experience pain and tribulation to some extent or another. And so in the midst of that, would you grant us the faith to see your goodness and to consider your name holy. We pray these things for your glory and our good. Amen. Amen.